Shabbos. Happy Adar. We are uh, in the this year. We get double the happiness because there is two months of Adar, which doesn't happen so common in Jewish in Judaism. The leap year doesn't mean an extra day like in you know the Gregorian calendar. But we actually get a whole extra month. It's the last month on the calendar, and it's the happiest month of the year. It says in the Talmud, when this month starts, Misha Nichnas Adar, it's a famous song, Misha, 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 Misha. When the month of Adar starts, um, we're supposed to increase our happiness. And then we're supposed to increase it a little bit every day until it climaxes in Purim. So the great news is this year, we have about, usually we only have about 14 days to build up that excitement for Purim. And this year we have 45 days, which means by the time Purim comes, if we started uh, yesterday, it was, we're going to be like jumping out of our skins and we're going to be so happy. And when people are happy, good things happen. So it's really a very special year. Let's all take advantage of it. And uh, one of the things that makes people the happiest is to learn Torah. So let's learn some Torah. All right. Parshas Truma. For the pretty much the next month or so, the Torah is going to talk about the house, the tent, the tent of meaning, the tabernacle, the first quote-unquote house that the Jewish people made for God. And it was an incredible uh, uh, undertaking. Everyone was involved. It was a beautiful, and it, the highest caliber. It was the first mass fundraising uh, campaign. And it was, it was, I think, the last of its type that people just couldn't give enough. Um, so I guess Moshe was the greatest fundraiser probably to ever live. So let's look a little bit at the Parsha. So where does the Parsha start out famously? It says, well, you know what? Actually, we're going to start off a little more in. It says, talks about how all of the fancy items, you have the ark, and you have the fancy table, and you have the altars. So it says in verse 11 that you have the famous ark. The ark, it had the tablets in it had the cherubs on top of it, beautiful, beautiful um, item. And it says that it was made out of wood. And it says the outside was coated in gold. And the inside had gold, but the middle was wood. So yeah, basically it was three boxes, like those kids' uh, toys. Three boxes, one inside the other. Gold, wood, gold. So the Chizkuni, one of the famous commentaries, asks, why couldn't it just be all, um, all gold? Why go for wood at all? And the Chizkuni explains, what's heavier, gold or wood? Uh, we're not used to gold being particularly heavy because gold is extremely expensive by the pound. But if you take a pound of, uh, take the area 
of space that was the, where the ark was, and you'd fill it with gold or you fill it with wood. Gold is a lot heavier. And the ark was actually most of the things from this, that uh, from the tabernacle, when they were transported, they were on wagons. But the ark, because it was so holy, out of respect, the priests carried it on their shoulders. So out of, out of sensitivity to the people carrying the ark, God made it that, you know what? We're not going to skimp on the aesthetics. It's going to be gold on the outside. It's going to be gold on the inside. But we have mercy. If you will make it 100% solid gold, it will be really heavy, and it was unnecessary. So we learned from here, says the Chizkuni, the sensitivity that we have, even when we're doing something as amazing as, as the uh, construction of the holiest item this world has really pretty much ever seen, the ark that, that, that carried the tablets, still, we always, no matter what we're doing, we got to be sensitive to other people. And this is a sign of greatness. You know, it's easy sometimes to have a good idea, but then what happens is, you can have your good idea, but it can come at others' expense. And we see that here, even with God, um, we um, we need to uh, keep others in mind. In a similar vein, in verse 15, so it's talking about um, the ark. It had, you may have seen pictures, it had um, poles that were on the side. And the men would put the um, the poles on their shoulders, and they would carry it. But the verse says something very interesting about these poles. It says that the poles were never allowed to be taken off of the ark, even though the utilitarian purpose of the poles was to carry, even when the ark was stationary, you never took the poles out. On the opposite side, the altar, which also had poles, the poles were taken off. The question is, there's a lot of, lot of, the, a lot of ideas behind this, a lot of very deep reasons, but one observation that the Kiskuni has, same commentary, in a similar vein, says that the reason why the altar, you never took the poles off and the altar you the, the ark you did not and the altar you did was because people had to pass by the altar to get to the ark and if these long poles were there it would inconvenience every single priest that had to walk by every calling in the holy of holies where the ark was no one was walking around the poles weren't inconveniencing everybody and the same idea we see here, the extreme sensitivity that God is trying to give over to us in his own house, that we see that the how much we have to be careful to not inconvenience people unnecessarily, and because uh, most of the time it's not necessary. And that's what we learn from the this idea. Um, okay, moving along. So... Again, we're going through the items that were in the house of God, the tabernacle. So in chapter 27, verse 20, it says, maybe verse 2. 
Yeah. Um, so you have the there was two there was two um, two two altars. There was the altar for the incense that was gold, and there was the big altar, the big famous one with the with the ramp that was called the altar of copper. So the verse says that it was the inside was dirt, and it was coated with copper. So Rashi points out over here. Why was it covered with copper? Because it says he brings a, a source that copper slash brass is an atonement for chutzpah. And it says that chutzpah is something, chutzpah, you know, chutzpah, it's hard to translate chutzpah. Chutzpah means chutzpah, be, being brazen, saying things uh, out of turn. Uh, you know, people say it takes a lot of chutzpah to do something. I think... Uh, I think the world has uh, borrowed that word from us, Yiddish word, but everyone knows what chutzpah is. It means you have the gall to say something. So the uh, the reason why it was covered in copper was copper is somehow, in a metaphysical way, it uh, inspires or represents atonement for, um, for chutzpah. There's a famous story with the Chavetz Chaim, the great Chavetz Chaim. So he had a yeshiva. Chavetz Chaim, besides being uh, the leader of jury and prolific, authoritative writer, he had a yeshiva. It was yeshiva of Radin. That was officially his, I mean, he had a little store, but that was really his job. And he had uh, a lot of students, but he had two students. And one student really was not uh, doing what he was supposed to do, not studying well, not keep, not being proper diligently, really not keeping up with what he was supposed to do. And it was, you know, it wasn't just because he was incapable. He was, wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing, which under many circumstances, you know, in such a high-level institution, you know, if you're not making the cut, you know, sometimes you get cut. But there was, that was one student. And the other student... He was someone who was found around town to be someone who was, uh, as they say, a chutzpinyak. He was, uh, he was, you know, too big for his britches, as they say. And the, but he was a good student. He was diligent and he did well, he excelled. And the Chavetz Chaim had to make a very tough choice. He sat with the administration, and they gave, uh, I don't know if they actually asked him to leave or, or whatever, but they gave the student who was very successful in his studies, but was chutzpanyak, uh, they gave him a hard time, and they maybe even asked him to leave, but they did not do that with the student who was maybe not being so well, doing well academically, but he was someone who at least was not a brazen person. And uh, we, it says, this is a, it's a f- famous line in Ethics of the Fathers. Ethics of the Fathers, it says that those who are chutzpahdik are headed to Gehenna, headed to hell. It's interesting. It says they're headed there, which means they didn't actually do so many sins. Just the fact that they have the trait the trait of being a person who's brazen, person who, who doesn't know their know their space, that prep path is a very, very 
um, dangerous path. You know, certainly in relationships, it's uh, you know we can all sometimes deal with someone who is not so capable, maybe even not so responsible, but someone who has certain basic lack of respect doesn't work. And sometimes someone that, you know, it's well known, you know, you have a teacher, some of my circles, you know, I know thousands of people, not that I know them that well, but you know, with the social media world today and the world is so all placed, you can know thousands of people. And sometimes you have limited time in the day and you want to know, you know, who do I spend my efforts on and time with? And in many circles, I've heard this in many, uh, many uh, advisory discussions, that if you're trying to pick, now obviously you don't write anybody off, but if you're trying to see the best use of your time, who's going who's gonna to grow the most often, or much more than often, it is those who are who have good midos. Even someone seems to not be so interested, not to be so achieving, but they have good midos, and they have good character traits, have proper respect. Those people tend to go, they're humble and they tend to go very far. It says at the beginning of the Parsha, when we're just introducing the idea of having a tabernacle, says, Hashem calls over Moshe and says, say the following to the Jewish people. Take for me a taking. Presence. He's basically asking for fundraising. He's, he says, I want everyone to give whatever their heart is dedicated to give. Give to me, give to me um, the gift. And the commentators focus on that it says, take take for me. It's a funny thing, right? If you're asking people to give you something, so then you are, why are you telling people to, to take for me? It, it really, it, it's a funny way to say it. it should be they, they should take and give to the cause, give to the temple. The, the, the grammar is, is a little, little is, is off. So uh, famously, it says, the Asuli Mikdash Bishachanti Bisocham. That really, this beautiful building of jewels and gold and silver, it was beautiful and it was respectful for Hashem. But the main thing is that a Jew, really every human being, needs to bring Hashem into themselves. And, and that is why there's a focus on the way the grammar is written seems to be a little bit off because it's, it's actually it's a reference to this idea that of the, the purpose of this whole whole fundraising and building campaign and and a sign of God bringing a house, God, a house for God is really ultimately to inspire us to bring God into our lives and that is is just the most biggest gift for for our for a person to bring God into their life. Uh, even in this world, forget long-term, don't forget about it, but put on the side, long-term, that's why we're in this world, to, to serve God. But even just in this world, I was talking, you know, in a different class I give, discussing how 
um, you know, there's, you know, how now things are, the Jewish community has challenges just like everybody else. We have many challenges, but there's many things that we uh, don't have as big of an issue with, not as big of an issue with. And, and, and there's many studies showing that when someone, when two people believe in God, to family members, to friends, to coworkers, when there's a God in the picture and we're on the same page about that, and then really when it comes to Judaism, if you're on the same page about a lot of things, then certain things which can lead to a lot of disagreements and discomfort are just not there, for example. Every single Friday night, it, there's nothing to talk about. We are having a Shabbos meal, and we're not driving anywhere, right? Many people, if that's not a given, they got to figure that out. They got to navigate that. There's so many things. Now, there's plenty of things left to navigate, believe me. But if you, if you believe in Hashem, and you believe in the Torah, and you believe in Judaism, and then you, then you have so much, and you can leave your your coping skills and your patient skills for the things that you really need them for without having to waste them on things that are just givens. So, and this is, you know, if you look in the 12 steps of recovery for addictions, um, the the big, uh, the third step, I believe, is um, uh, that they, the, the people allowed God into their lives. So a higher power. So, this idea from this partial we see of bringing God into our lives, it's just such a, an amazing thing. You're going through a rough time by yourself with someone else, and just the fact that there's there's a, a higher power involved uh, really is a, a very powerful thing. On a similar vein, I forgot who says this, but it's a pretty powerful idea. There's a, there's a, the Talmud and Brachos. Brother says, if the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, something, you, you, you're having a moral challenge. You know there's something right to do, and there's something wrong to do, and you're struggling. So the Talmud gives a number of suggestions. And one of the suggestions, it says, is Moshchehu Leves HaMedrash. Take the Yetzirah, take the evil inclination that's pulling you one way, and bring them into the mikdash. Bring them into the study hall. Today we don't have a temple, but we, our synagogues and our study halls are are considered our mikdash ma'at, our our small places to our uh, where, where 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 the um, where the holiness is. And it's what so the the the, the question is what's what does that help? And the reality is there's a special power. There's a special holiness, a special spiritual gravitational pull that is inside our holy places. That's why it's better to study there. It's better to pray there. It's better just to be in there. The Talmud says, sometimes a person doesn't have energy to study. As long as you don't do anything inappropriate, it's worthwhile just to be in a, in a holy place. And then you see that. I remember my grandfather was a person him and his friends, I remember, they used to just like being in shul. It's like they're afraid, and you see this with, I think it's almost a lost art. You see this with people from the previous generation. You know, we used to have in Providence here, uh, Mr. Weiner. You know, we don't have anyone like that in the shul anymore. Someone who just 
they just loved to be in shul. They felt the this was the place to be, a very special place, and and that's something which is very true, and we learned it from this week's parsha. I saw an interesting observation about the tabernacle, this house the Jewish people built for God. And what's interesting about it is that it's it's referred often that it's it was the Mishkan, the tabernacle, but often it was referred to as the Mikdash, the place that was becoming holy. And what was unique about this particular place of God, which is different than the ultimate temple and where we see the Western Wall, is that it was something which was constantly having to be rebuilt. They built it the first time. Now they took it apart when they traveled, and they had to build it again, off and on, off and on. And this is a paradigm for what growth is, what life is, what building relationships is, that it's not, you, you don't just build it once and it's there. You don't become friends with someone, you don't get married to someone, you don't forge a partnership with someone, and then it's there and it's supposed to last. No, it doesn't work like that. You see, from the tabernacle, you got to build it, and then sometimes you have to break it down. And you build it again, and you build it again. You know, if someone builds a yeshiva, they build a school, right? You know, at, that's just the beginning. You have to constantly nurture it and build it and 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 and, and make it be a better thing. And that's that's what life's all about. You can't say, oh, you know, someone says, oh, I'm Orthodox. I'm a member of a synagogue. I went to Israel. I, I, I did this. No. Judaism is about constantly rebuilding and putting in more energy in the next effort. And this is, is be, true in life and beyond true, as we all know, in relationships. Any relationship that doesn't get get constant attention and nurture, it, uh, it it's not just like it stays parv. It's on a hill, right? You don't push it up, it pushes down. So just to review what we said tonight, Talked about how we're in the wonderful month of Adar, such a blessing this year. We have two Adars, and we all need so much joy. We need happiness, and now we have two months, 45 days, to build up towards Parm. We saw the Cheskuni points out in numerous parts of the building of the, of the items in the tabernacle, we learn that the sensitivity that we have to have as we're doing good things, what greater cause could there be than to build the house of God, but yet throughout the building process, we see the sensitivities. We see that the materials maybe were made a little lighter, so it'll be easier for the people carrying them. And we saw how the certain poles were taken out and certain poles weren't because that allowed for easier um, walkways for the Kohanim. We learned about how the uh, the altar uh, was an atonement. It was there to be an inspiration for people to to um, be um, to grow and not be chutzpahdik, not have respect, be frozen, have gone. How how uh, tent, how paramount that is, and and as to who a person is. And uh, we saw that unfortunately the opposite. Pirkei it says that the um, someone who's chutzpah. Is headed, is headed towards Gehenna. It's a very bad path. We saw from the way the Torah talks about the beginning of the initiation of this fundraising process for the house of God, from the way it's worded, that it's not just about bring, making a house for God, 
It's about bringing God into our lives, into our hearts. The famous song, Mishkan Avne, my heart, I'm going to build a sanctuary. You bring God into your life, and just so many things go better, short-term, long-term. We also heard about the special power of a shul, a special power of a smetters, a special gift that we have. I can't tell you how many times, you know, something is going challenging in life, and you, what do you do? You go to shul, you go to learn, you go to daven, and you come out, and things are so much better. It's such an amazing gift that we have that uh, we can just pretty much, something which, you know, obviously during COVID, we we, uh, lost, and now whatever things are at, depending where you live, but pretty much, you know, we have the ability to go places, Uh, you know, everyone's got to be careful, but we do have that, that amazing thing. And uh, let's just take advantage of this tremendous month of Adar, these next month of reading the Torah portions about building the, uh, the sanctuary for God and bringing God into our lives. And you should have a beautiful Shabbos. And thanks for coming on.